0: Welcome to CBS LA Uncut, where there's so much more to the story.
1: I'm CBS LA news anchor Pat Harvey, and each week we'll take a look at a story you've seen on the news and take a deeper dive, more interviews, more insight, and more information. We're excited that you're joining us for our very first CBS LA podcast. Now in this episode, CBSLA reporter Rachel Kim interviews a man who claims he was the pen pal and good friend of the most notorious killer of our time, Charles Manson.
0: Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better.
1: First, here's a little background on the American occult
0: leader. cut people and I shoot them and I, I do whatever I have to do to survive in the world I live in. But that has nothing to do with me breaking the line.
1: In 1971, Manson received the death penalty for spearheading a cult. Notoriously known as the Manson family. Now that group brutally murdered seven Hollywood residents, including actress Sharon Tate, who was pregnant at the time. Murder? There's no murder There in was the holy a murder of Sharon Tate. Come on. There's no murder in the Holy War, man. The whole thing is a Holy War. Manson had been serving a life sentence for more than 45 years at Corcoran State Prison here in California when he passed away in November of 2017. We begin CBS 2 News at 11 with breaking news. Charles Manson, the man behind the most infamous murder rampage in Southern California
2: history, has died.
1: For months, his body still sits on ice as several people are stepping up to claim the rights to his remains.
0: Name and spelling, please. Michael Channels, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-H-A-N-N-E-L-S.
1: Our producer met Michael Channels of Santa Clarita at L.A. Superior Court, where he had just presented a copy of a will he claimed Manson gave him back in 2012.
0: I actually have two copies. He wants them. I'd like Why did you want to yeah. get in touch with him? Why, Why? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty that's notorious that. guy, and. Well, I could ask the same question of all you.
1: He gave an impromptu press conference outside of the courthouse and then spoke privately with our producer, who asked if we could interview him at his home and have a look at his Manson memorabilia. He happily agreed, so our producer, our photographer, and reporter Rachel Kim met him at his home, where he explained how his letters to Charles Manson grew into a friendship over a 30-year span. Take a listen to Rachel Kim's interview.
2: Michael, how would you describe yourself in relation to Charles Manson? Uh, A friend. A friend. A friend. Of 30 years.
0: Of 30 years. A long time friend. Um, I don't know if I would classify myself as his best friend because that would be for him to say. You know? Um, But he was a guy that would call me on my birthday, call me on Christmas. Thanksgiving, Easter, Happy Easter, that kind of friend.
2: Tell me, who is Michael Channels?
0: Um, that's a good question. Uh, curious. I was curious enough to collect autographs. Uh, some of the hobbies I had was autographs, and that was one of the things that got me into Charles Manson. Can
2: you pinpoint where you first became interested in a man named Charles Manson?
0: Uh, I did have an uncle who had a beard, um, long hair, looked like Jesus, looked like Manson, Uh, did acid in the day, lived kind of the same kind of lifestyle, you know, criminal kind of lifestyle, ended up in um, Mansfield Reformatory, same place they filmed Shawshank Redemption at. I visited him as a little kid, so that was probably what got me comfortable with criminals, you know, my uncle being in Shawshank. Channels had a childhood
1: hobby, collecting famous autographs that continued into his adulthood. In fact, he wrote Manson several times requesting autographs. And in the process, he discovered that he had more in common with the cult leader than he ever expected.
0: I won a contest and I was a bat boy for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that's what got me interested in autographs. Them giving me the baseball, the whole team, um, a World Series team at that. Then I went on to get as many other autographs of people that I could, anywhere they were at, book signings, you know.
3: Well,
2: autographs are one thing, but you you wanted to write Charles Manson. Can you remember in your first letter, what did you say?
0: Maybe in the first few letters, I would probably ask him for autographs and telling him where I was from, where I grew up. And ironically, he grew up 30 miles away from me. So we had really similar lifestyles as children, just years apart, generations apart, actually. He lived in McMeachin, West Virginia, along the Ohio River. I lived in Wellsville, Ohio, along the Ohio River, 30 miles away. So I was explaining things like, yeah, I fished in the river and, and, you know, when you grow up in the same area, everybody has the same life, you know. Everybody eats fried green tomatoes or fishes in the river, don't wear shoes, you know so he related to a lot of those things but it took me about 50 of those letters to get him to write back and say you know what here's an autograph i'm really too busy have a good day and then that just sparked it even more it's like okay i got one now i'm going for more you know and 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 maybe it might have been because i was younger then. i was in my 20s then
2: so when you got that first letter back after trying 50 times Mm -hmm. and trying to you know find a, a commonality with charles manson how did it feel to get that first response?
0: It, it, it felt great because of the fact the reason I started writing him in the first place for an autograph is I was writing for an autograph magazine, and there was an article below the article that I wrote. So I read it, and it was, um, it was explaining if you would write somebody, and they would write you back and sign their name to it, their autograph would be worth $100 as soon as you got it out of the mailbox. And it was people like Princess Diana and Mother Teresa and Charles Manson. Charles Manson's name was on the list. I was like, wow, he's got to be easy to get. He's sitting in a cell. He can't be hard. Uh, but I, I think I might have got Mother Teresa first. <laughs> you know?
2: During the course of this 30-year friendship, how did it develop? We started with the letters. Take me
0: through.
1: How did
2: this you develop? You start
0: with letters, and then um, Manson really he fills people out. He don't immediately let nobody come into his life. He, he didn't trust anybody. He didn't trust a soul. He, he, he would accuse me of being a, a prison guard who was trying to get information out of him. Thought I was like too intelligent for the people that were usually writing him. There was something up. I must have been in the CIA or something. When we were actually getting our pictures taken, he thought there was guns in the camera, you know? Things like that. He was a really paranoid guy. There might be a piece of his stationery in here. I don't know if I grabbed that or not.
1: Before Rachel and the news crew arrived, Channels was in his garage going through boxes of Manson mementos. He brought hundreds of letters and postcards upstairs where he spread them out on his kitchen table. Manson wrote in riddles, so Channels explained the lingo.
0: The head dead man said, Man... You don't need a head, man. The sun is a hole in the soul, man. And that's all everything is love, peace, and easy. Charles Manson.
2: Typical Charles Manson?
0: Typical. That's typical. Evil's when good man says nothing when he knows it's wrong.
2: What does that mean?
0: Well, if you know something's evil and you don't say nothing about it. That's what it means. Evil, evil Basically, he, you got to know how he writes, evil is, because it's evils, evil is when good man says nothing when he knows it's wrong. So if I see somebody killing somebody, and I don't say anything, that's evil.
2: During that friendship, you received something in the mail. Tell me about that, what we believe today is his will. Mm-hmm. Tell me about when you received it and what you thought
0: when you received it. When I got it, it was just, again, Manson doesn't write you a letter It was like, Hi, Rachel. How are you today? Sincerely, Charlie. It's like confusion. You've got to be able to like figure out how he talks. He he sometimes talks in props. So some of his letters might be upside down, you know, or... Write him sideways on. He's just not conventional in anything he ever did in his life, but it really didn't like sink in, you know. Like one day I'll be going after Manson's dead body. Just that wasn't what I thought when I got it. I I, what I thought is, wow, this is one of a kind, you know. Nobody else has got this piece of memorabilia.
2: Did you realize it was a will at the time? Yes,
0: I realized that, but again, it wasn't. It it doesn't. It didn't have the significance then. He was in his fifties. You know, he was vibrant. He wasn't dying. I thought the man would never die, to tell you the truth. I thought he'd live longer than all of us, um, or at least into his hundreds, because he just seemed like he was just kicking. I understand death's coming. I don't look forward to it, you know? So I wasn't like oh, counting down the days. Hope he dies. Hope he dies. That sort of thing or anything like that. So it was like it was something that was never going to come.
2: Obviously, you you knew about charles manson and what he had done
0: yeah you know i i actually went into the whole thing thinking i want to meet the boogeyman i want to meet the boogeyman and and then i was kind of
2: and you met him what did you think I,
0: i was upset because a lot of the things is um urban legend really you know the manson story is a big urban legend there's a lot of false things that are involved in it there's a lot of lies in it, there's a lot of uh, things that maybe they didn't discover back then or been discovered now, you know, um, it's, the story's just a little skewed.
2: If Charles Manson was uh, committing these murders um, at a time when you were in your youth, at a very impressionable time, do you think you could have been part of the Manson family?
0: I most definitely probably think I probably could have. I would have probably if it would have been all the girls. All the girls, the weed, party all the time. Sure. Girls
2: and weed are one thing. Could you kill someone or help kill someone?
0: No way. No way. I I, can't even think of killing somebody, you know. That's just not in me. Um, I thought Manson killed a whole lot of people too, but when it boils down to it, he may have killed one. Um, am not saying that, he, I'm not getting into the other story of who sent people to do what, I, you know, that's a different story, but he may have killed one person. When I started into this, I thought he killed like 30, you know? And I was like, yeah, I really want to meet that guy. And then when it was like, oh, it's only one, it's not that it's depressing. It's almost like there's more to this story. Now I'm really intrigued because somebody was lying here, you know? This whole thing, they made me believe it was something that it really wasn't.
2: Well, I'm going to ask you the question that I think a lot of people want to ask. If they had the opportunity to sit with you here, if you believed going into this friendship that he killed 30 people, why would you want to be friends with someone like that?
0: Again, I didn't go in wanting to be friends with him. I didn't go in there and say, you know what, i got a plan. I'm going to be friends with this guy. No, it wasn't like that. Curiosity took me there. Curiosity killed the cat. You know, luckily it didn't kill me, but that, that saying means a lot. You know, you'll go a long ways for curiosity.
2: Then why maintain the friendship for 30 years? Because he was a nice
0: guy. Nobody, uh, he was the guy that America and the world like to kick to the curb. And I've seen a different person. I've seen a person that, that had feelings. I've seen a person that never talked about murder, never talked about killing people. You could bring it up and he would be like, you got that murder and death on your mind want to change the subject from that. So the whole perception of Manson, because people never got to meet him, talk to him, him sit down in a chair and you talk back and forth to him, they never got a chance to know him. And by not getting a chance to know anybody, you can make up preconceived notions about anybody.
2: Did Manson ever confess to killing anybody?
0: No, not at all. He would tell you the truth about things though, you know. He felt like he was just as much involved as being a cult leader as every person there was because they were all discussing it together. You know, he, did, I, I, I honestly believe him too. He was kind of ignorant to the fact that he had so much power. He didn't realize that until after he went to jail. After he was in prison, then he kind of caught on to that power thing that he had, and then he started using it. But I don't know if he actually used it then. You know, when he was out, he got out. He immediately went to San Francisco, and it was the that was acid in the streets, women, music, that kind of thing, and it pulled him in. So there was actually kids introducing him to things that now we say Manson introduced them kids to and that wasn't the truth. So he got, and then, and then I heard things like, Manson used to take like half of the acid and give everybody else, you know. Manson, he couldn't handle it, because he just got out, these kids out there, their immune was up to that, where his wasn't. So he would, you know, he would try to keep control. So he was just as much a follower to the whole mess that was going on that everybody else was.
2: Over the years, obviously, you said that he gave you gifts or sent you trinkets and uh, personal belongings. Again,
0: when he loses his teeth and you pay for his teeth and they cost three hundred bucks, he he feels like he needs to do something for you. You know, just like you would if somebody did a favor for you, you'd be like, "Wow, that person gave me gas money when I didn't have it. I'm going to give him back the gas money and a box of chocolates with it." Um, he can't go buy a box of chocolates or flowers. So he'd make something for you, you know, to try to show his appreciation, to try to pay you back for things that you've done for him, you know? It was never anything about, here, go sell my evil stuff and make money. It was, it was, it's just him trying to be kind.
2: I mean, I understand chocolate and everything, but you now have, obviously, his clothes, but his hair, his blood?
0: Those are the only things he had to give, you know? Those things are valuable in some people's eyes. You know, some people you'd give them to, they would sell them immediately and make money from them. If that's what I wanted to do with it, he was fine with that. I just kept it, I just threw it in a box, you know? So those were the kind of things that he had to give. Just think about if you're sitting in a cell, what you got to give. You could give me your watch, your necklace, your rings. After you're done with that, what do you got to give, you know?
2: You told me about a um, particular gift that meant a lot to you personally, Um, the mask. Can you tell me a little bit about that mask?
0: Yeah, it goes back to Halloween and that's the reason it means a lot to me. Halloween. Anything Halloween. So Um, Charles
2: Manson sat in his cell and and made me a Halloween Halloween mask. mask.
0: Yeah, exactly. I thank him for that. I actually asked him for that. I never really asked him for too many things. A Halloween mask. That would be something I would probably keep. So could you make something like that for me? And he wrote me back and told me that he would he was working on it and not to sweat little things and before I knew it, it showed up in the mail one day, and I was shocked. I was uh, I was a bit um, just like everybody else would be, a bit taken aback, like, "Wow, this is a, a mask that Charles Manson sat in the cell and made, and he made it with a paper plate and and what he had, because he was in the hole at that time, which means that they take all this stuff away from him. They give you state clothes to wear." And you eat off paper plates and paper cups. and So he he made it out of paper plate um, and Kool-Aid. He colored it with Kool-Aid. All he had. And it's probably one of the most, uh, probably one of the better things. I mean, it's just a paper plate and Kool-Aid.
1: Channels keeps his cherished paper plate mask in a glass display case, and he explains why the gift brought him so much joy.
0: I was pretty happy.
2: Happy? I think most people (laughs) would say, oh my God, that's scary.
0: It is scary, but that again, that goes into my soul. I love scary things. You can't scare me enough.
2: So I'm getting this picture of your friendship, you know, conversations, visits, Gifts exchanged. Never during this entire time ever discussed any of the nine murders, never took responsibility.
0: We discussed it. Responsibility, he didn't feel he was responsible. Kept saying that over and over and over again. I don't feel I'm responsible. And again, I can kind of understand that thinking when I think maybe he might have had a little bit of mental illness. And in America, we shy away from mental illness. We lock people in jail with mental illness and we shouldn't be doing that. So we're immediately putting this guy as a follower of a bunch of people who's mentally ill. Is that really fair?
2: Did your opinion of Manson change over the years? You, a You described him as a friend, even an uncle. You, I didn't you describe him, him as
0: an uncle. I, or he, reminded- not, not my uncle, but it would be like if you were talking to your uncle. he'd he A lot of people do call him Uncle Charlie, and I never felt comfortable with that. Again, I don't feel comfortable because he's not my uncle, for one thing. The family kind of thing is really touchy when it comes to him, because he already had a family, and I don't want to involve myself any kind of of that. He made me mad a few times. I wouldn't take his calls. Uh, uh, there was probably one time he called me like 37 times on my answer machine. I just wouldn't just, I was mad. There's times when he's been mad at me and I would write him and he wouldn't answer me back. So it wasn't like always a lovey-dovey kind of thing. You know, there's things that he did that I didn't like, I wouldn't do. And there's things that I did that he just couldn't relate to. And he wouldn't do either.
2: Speaking of writing, you wrote him asking why he liked you. What was his response?
0: I honestly don't know why. I really don't. And when it really gets into feelings, he guards those. And you've got to guard those because you're, you know, and you show feelings in prison, you die. It's life and death. I love yous don't exist there. But he told me that several times. He actually kissed me. He, 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 he liked me that much. But, um... He kissed you? Oh, yeah. Every time I would leave, he would kiss me.
2: On the cheek?
0: Yeah. On both cheeks sometimes, which I thought, well, oh, doesn't the mafia do that when they want to kill somebody? <laughs> but, yeah, he would do that. Um, tell me how much he appreciated me. And I really felt he was sincere about that. He wasn't trying to play me. I can see when people are playing me.
2: Do you think you know? he's insane or was insane?
0: Uh, he had his moments. I don't... I think he was insane, no, but he had his moments where it seemed different, you know, Um, it just depended on what day it might be, on what Manson you might get, so I don't know what they were feeding him as far as drugs go, but he was different on different occasions, you'd find about uh, a handful of Mansons out there.
1: Channel says Manson gave him a will, leaving him in charge of his estate and remains. So when he showed copies of the will to Rachel, she noticed a date stamped on the document and wanted to know its significance. Michael, let's
2: talk about February 14, 2002.
0: Which is Valentine's Day. Does that have any significance on how much you like somebody? I thought about that, too. Why would it be Valentine's Day? all things. You know another thing I thought about? I thought about, because I look back on my picture, especially the one where I got my arm around his mm-hmm. neck. I'm pretty cute in that picture. <laughs> and I thought, wonder if Manson thought I was cute too. Because he's bisexual. Wonder if he had a crush on me. I don't know that either. Not that I'd be offended by that even though I'm not bisexual or homosexual or whatever. He was. So then I started thinking.
2: He was bisexual?
0: He was, yes, he was, he was bisexual, homosexual, straight. He was everything. Got it. Whatever.
2: Okay. Um, Talk about the will for me. The will. Lay out what it basically said.
0: Honestly, I've never read it all the way through. don't really care.
2: Best understanding of it.
0: The best understanding of it was basically I, he wanted me to get his body out of that prison. He didn't want to be there no more. He didn't want people cutting the tattoos off his head. Put him on little splays and little museums, tattoos off his arms. You know how they do that thing? They dry it out like deer skin. You don't want none of that. You don't want his brain being examined. None of that stuff. He wants to be free. And to be free, he can't be in a little box anymore either.
2: Wants to be free. What does that mean? What did he want you to do with his body?
0: Free in the desert. Free in the desert when nobody knows. You want to go to him? Nobody will know except for me.
2: Bury him somewhere?
0: No ashes and just scattering there. That was, that was where he, he, he constantly talked about, you know, I want to go back to the desert. I want to go back to the desert. You let me out of here, I'm going back to the desert. You love the desert. For whatever reason, I don't know.
2: Why are you fighting for his body?
0: I came in this not knowing anything. Not knowing what, all the things that could possibly happen or come my way. I filed the will in the place where I was just trying to get his body as quietly as I could. I was trying to sneak it out of there, get him cremated, get him in the desert, and then people would come looking for me, like, where's he at, and he's gone now. But in the process of that, other people come in and open up another case, and when they do, they don't come in and say very kind things about me, basically accusing me of being a liar.
2: Well, why not relinquish his body to his grandson? That's his family Because that's not what
0: he wanted. He did not want that. Manson didn't want that.
3: My name is Jason Freeman.
1: Weeks after our interview with Michael Channels, Manson's alleged grandson spoke out at an impromptu press conference.
3: And I'm here to claim my grandfather have him cremated, spread his ashes, and do the right thing. He didn't like that family. That family took off on him and talked
0: bad about him up until three years ago that grandson was talking bad about him. The grandson was, that's the reason that my dad committed suicide is because of Charles Manson. Takes on a name as a fighter, like I'm gonna kill you like Charlie Manson III. That's not what Manson wanted. He do not even trust that guy. That guy never even visited Manson, and trust me, he asked him to. Manson denied it. He could have been one of the people that was up there in the hospital room. Why wasn't he? Because Manson didn't want him there. That's why I don't want to do it. He was my friend. But Freeman tells a different story.
3: My grandfather and I had a eight year relationship, and. By, by by no means was it an easy, smooth relationship. I had to build his trust. He had to build mine.
0: That's it, that's Why it.
3: What do you think he's fighting for his body right now?
0: Money, it's about money. It's about money, fame, documentaries, being on television, being on cable, all those things, I guess. But Jason Freeman accuses Michael Channels of the same
1: thing.
3: He was selling merchandise and murderbilia and paying his house payments because of my grandfather.
1: Channels has no
0: intention of giving up. I don't care what it takes. If it takes me having to go study this stuff all night and all day and all night and all day until I get there the next time, that's what I'll have to do. Are you concerned about what people
2: are gonna think about you after this?
0: Not really, why do I care? I don't know them. I don't know the people, half the people I don't know that are watching this anyway. And what does it really matter to me? Everybody's got an opinion. If I was watching at home the same program with another person, would I would have all kinds of things to say about it too, trust me. I was like, what's, where's that guy come All I could say is, I guess, there's a lot of things out there where I've been talking lately. Just listen to him and make up your own mind. I don't care really what difference does it make, you know?
2: You called him Charlie.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Was Charlie
0: evil? Oh yeah, yeah. He had that side to him he could be he was more more of a more of a loving kind of charming guy though than he was evil again i never i would bring up the death thing and the murder thing he was just like oh here we go again you know
2: was charlie a good friend to michael Channel?
0: sometimes sometimes no he played people he played games with people you know that was his world he was in uh, being an inmate you got to play games with people that's just their life i understand going in this is Charlie Manson. Whatever you get, you deserve it because this is Charlie Manson. You already know, right now.
2: Michael, do you believe you're the only one Manson sent his will to?
0: Um, he called me on the phone when when remember when the girl was getting ready to marry him. She asked him for one. She was the only person that had the guts to ask, and. Um, he called me on the phone and he says, they asked me, for, they asked me to write out a new will. And he said, uh, I'm not going to do it. And I just left it at that.
2: So as far as you know, you're the only one.
0: As far as I know.
2: Charles Manson is now gone. Hmm? You think Charles Manson would be proud of his friend?
0: Again, I don't know. I don't know if he even thought like that. I don't even care what Manson thinks about it. I would like to think that there are people out in this world that exist amongst us in humanity today that will honor their word, be friends with people, no matter who the friend might be, and and have their back. Most of America follows Christianity and thou shalt not murder, but one of the other Ten Commandments is we shouldn't lie to each other either, you know? We shouldn't covet each other's stuff. So, as far as the Christianity goes, there is no bad, little, tiny, They're all sins. So, for humanity's sake, I hope there's a lot of people out there like me that would go to extremes for their friend. And again, let's forget who the friend is. Go to extremes for your friend, no matter if your friend can see you doing it or not. Because you're the one that's got to be able to sleep, not them. It's you got to live with yourself. I told somebody something. Just trying to do it. If I can't, I won't feel bad about it because Charlie never got his way in life anyway.
2: Going through everything you're going through now and will be in the future, what would you say to Charlie if you had one last chance to talk to
0: him? Ah, choke him. <laughs> like, what in the world? You knew that was going to happen to me because one of, in his last conversation, uh, he said this a lot to me too. He goes, you are me. And I was like, he said that to a lot of people a lot of times. You know, he likes to, people like to feel like they're involved with Manson's life. So when he said stuff like that to people, people were like, wow, Manson said I'm him, you know, and they would brag about it and that sort of thing. He'd say that stuff to me all the time. I would record it, of course, but it never really meant a lot to me. Well, it started meaning a lot to me probably when the people started calling me after I filed that thing, you know, then it started, I was like, wow. And, and then all the things that people said about me that they don't even know me, I'm like, wow, I can really, I can sort of kind of understand where that guy was coming from now because it's coming from everywhere and nobody really knows me to be making these assumptions about me like I have a shrine. You guys have been here, I don't have a shrine. Um, I don't even have Manson's picture on the wall anywhere, but people make all these sort of, like, I'm a Manson follower, I'm part of the Manson family, I'll probably now be taking on, What I'll be having this body on display somewhere, be taking money at the door, you know, all kinds of things they're saying about me, and none of them are real true.
1: Rachel wanted to know if Charles Manson ever upset Michael Chattles or let him down. Although their friendship had its ups and downs, Manson still knew he could count on him for favors.
0: I can't remember what he would, you know, things he would do to make me mad. But at one time, he was like, 37 times he'd call me back. My answer was like, hello, it's Charles Manson. Hello, it's Charles Manson. Hello, it's Charles Manson. Like, give up on it already. I'm mad, all right. Uh, I can remember one of the times when, when he made me mad. I went all the way up there to visit him and he refused to come out. So when I came home, then he had a friend of his call me on the phone and kind of give me some sad excuse that I knew was a lie. Rachel also asked him if Manson ever asked him for favors. He asked me um, ways to get around things, stuff like that, you know, and if I could call the prison for him at times so that, you know, like he could get his guitar back or he could get a television or a fan or things like that. So he asked me to do things like that for him, but...
2: do you think? Charlie had feelings for you beyond a friendship?
0: Um, I've wondered that. That wasn't something I thought about in the beginning there, but later on I started, actually a girl told me, she goes, you know what, Charlie, I think he had a crush on you. And that's when it dawned on me, like, man, she might be right, but I didn't know. Um, And again, it didn't matter if he did, who cares if he did? I'm not homophobic or anything like that. And did I have probably a softer spot about him because he was Charlie Manson? Probably. You know, it'd be like if you were friends with George Clooney, you'd hang on to him a little tighter. Like, yeah, George Clooney's my friend. So maybe, maybe because of that fact. And nobody else had that kind of access sort of thing. So might make you feel a little special there. But love the guy, probably do. You know, over that, when you're around a person and you really interact between, you know, I love my neighbors. I love people that are kind to me, you know, um, and I probably did love the guy too, you know. You oh yeah, yeah. Certain things, uh, certain things I think about sometimes, you know, it's like, it uh, just makes me sad, but it makes me happy that he was able to live to 83. Now that I know Charlie Manson, nobody should, there's no trade in nobody's lives. All lives are important, you know. And
2: Even that of a killer?
0: I don't know if he killed one guy. There's a possibility. He tried to kill another guy uh, down in Hollywood. Thought he did. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge. I don't want to be judged, so I'm not going to judge.
3: Michael channels his will. He may, he may think, he may believe that it's the real deal. And I wish him the best of luck. As of
1: now, Manson's body still sits on ice at the coroner's office in Kern County, while several parties, including Michael Channels, vie for control of his remains and his estate. I'm Pat Harvey. Thanks for listening to CBSLA Uncut. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Just check us out on all social platforms at CBSLA and visit our website, CBSLA.com.